welcome to a very special episode of Dugout Blues. I'm one of your hosts, Jared Massey. Your other host is... Dustin Nosler. And Dustin, it's it's been a while. It, it has. Just a, a teeny tiny while, and I, I don't know if you've heard the good news. I, I heard, I've heard some good news. It's, you know, in the time it's since we've recorded, there's been probably more bad news than good news, but I've heard some good news. There, there have been a few things that have happened since we last recorded, for sure. But the, the one thing I'm talking about is the Dodgers winning the World Series. Uh, it still doesn't feel real. <laughs> it, it really doesn't. It's something, you know, when you wait 32 years for something, and then it finally happens, uh, yeah, it, it kind of feels like good. Kind of, kind of like a dream, almost. Kind of like a, just a weird alternate reality, I guess. I don't, I don't know. It's kind of, kind of crazy. Yeah, we. Um, I know you're a little younger than me. I was only six years old when they won in '88, and I think my first real memories of, of any sports happened about a year after, uh, in '89. So I really don't remember '88. I mean, I've seen every highlight video. You know, we've seen the Gibson home run. Uh, a billion times it seems. Um, so this, you know, this this was really incredible. Um, you know, short short season and all, it, it doesn't matter. It was just, it was it was crazy. It was definitely a bizarre year, a crazy year. I hope everyone out there is doing well, um, staying healthy. Uh, yeah, I, I am a little younger than you. I was only four in '88. So I have no recollection of the the series, Gibby's Homer, Hershiser Streak, any of that, unfortunately. Uh, so yeah, my, my first memories of, of sports and stuff came a few years after that. Like when I was six, I was in Little League T-ball. I remember dressing up uh, in, in my uniform. I was on the Reds my first year. And, uh, <laughs> I remember Dodger Stadium vaguely from when I was a kid and then... Um, yeah, like started hardcore following the team about the time we met, which was in 2004. Um, and yeah, it, it just, I don't know. It, it feels like it's a journey, a lifetime in the making that's finally been completed. Now I, I, I kind of don't know how to feel. It's like, okay, well they did it. Now what, you know, and, you know, it's, yeah. like, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, and especially after 2017, which was such a difficult year um, for Dodger fans and for me personally, uh, it, it it meant a lot that they they finally pulled through. Because I mean, when they were down three one in the uh, in the LCS, I was like, okay, <laughs> another year, more disappointment. Fine. Yeah, I, I went on a little Twitter rant um, when they were down three one. It's like. So, you know, it's the same shit every year. Here we are again. We've become accustomed to this. And it really it looked pretty bleak at that point. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. yeah, I think game two, I, I had I sent out a tweet that kind of went viral. I think last I checked, I got like 1,800 likes on it. And <laughs> it was just like, you know, remember the good old times when the Dodgers were good, like last week you know because they <laughs> they were so maddeningly dominant in the first two series you know the 
the series quote unquote against the Brewers. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, the really fun, which could have been a lot more competitive series against the Padres, if if the Padres had a healthy Mike Clevenger and a healthy Dinelson Lamette. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then the the Braves just start manhandling them, and I was like, oh okay, this is, it's going to be this again. But they battled back, like down three games to one, come back three times in a row, no off days needing to win to stay alive and they did just the resilience of this team was remarkable to watch it it made it all the more special that they they overcame that yeah it's kind of something we haven't seen in this eight-year run um since guggenheim and 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 guys took over basically um you know they had they had they were close in, in 17 we've talked about that i mean they made it to the series in 18 i didn't really think they had much of a chance uh, going into it, um, and spoiler alert: they did not win. <laughs> they did not. Out. They didn't win in 2018. <laughs> yeah, and and but it just had a different feel. I mean, even when they're down three to one, I you know I was pissed. A lot of people were pissed. Um, they won that uh, game five, and I was like, okay, all right. Well, if you're gonna do it, you might as well win the whole thing. Win, you know, finish it off, and they did. And it was just something that we haven't seen out of this team in probably ever. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they, um, you're talking game five in the world series. No, no, no. Well, game five in the, the, um, LCS. the LCS and they went six and seven, you know, at that point I was like, well, you might as well, you know, don't screw around, come back and, and actually finish it. Don't, don't toy with us. Right. Yeah. That would have been a hell of a drug if they come all the way back from down 3-1 in the LCS only to lose the World Series. And in ge- after Game 4, it looked like that's what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Because Game 4, they're literally a strike away from taking a 3-1 lead, and then everything goes wrong. And They, they were a strike away multiple, multiple times. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, everything goes wrong, and you're thinking, okay, this, you know, I, I don't know how much emphasis most people put into momentum. I don't really think it's as big a deal as, like, the the pundits or the commentators or whoever right. makes it out to be. But that certainly felt like it took all of the Dodgers' momentum and just flushed it. And for them to just come back game five behind Clayton Kershaw... And and take the series lead back, um, yeah. Just what a remarkable. Again, the the resilience of this team of of being down, being bruised, but not never being out. I think that's what separated this team from, uh, yeah, from the the last three or four iterations and obviously it, it showed in the end that they were a different team they could overcome that obstacle and say you know what no we're going to finish the job yeah and, and you know when they lost game uh five it's not like they were down in the series it was still two to two they had the pitching advantage in theory on paper for the next couple of games uh or for two of the next three games um but it still felt like playoff failures of Dodgers past. Um, you mean game four? Game four, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. 
I get my, I get my, I, I'm like, I, I don't mean to like surprise <laughs> you or anything, but they won game five. <laughs> <laughs> they did. Yeah. Game four. Uh, you know, it was, it was just, you know, it could have been same old Dodgers. It could have been same old playoff Dodgers. They're going to choke again. Right. Um, but they didn't. And like you said, they were awfully resilient and they finally cobbled together the right, group of players even though a lot of them have been here for the duration or for most of the run they finally figured it out well and they had that new guy who helped a little bit the, uh, the new fella in right field oh that guy that guy <laughs> i feel like he kind of helped a little bit maybe um, a little bit yeah because i mean i i was fairly dispassionate since 2017 i've been like okay I'll, I'll fine i'll watch not like oh my god i'm looking forward to watching games right and then they trade for mookie bets and i'm like i want to watch <laughs> i want to watch a generate a generational talent yeah i want to watch a great player and the dodgers do have other great players like you know cody bellinger won the mvp in 2019 and you know, Corey Seager was amazing this year, and Clayton Kershaw has been an incredible pitcher, th- you know, throughout most of his career. And uh, Walker Buehler looks like a future ace, or even a present-day ace. But, um, yeah, them getting Mookie just kind of reinvigorated my uh, passion for the team. And I didn't follow every game during the regular season, but... I watched, you know, opening day and I watched throughout the season. And then in the playoffs, man, just watching him make those catches, steal those bases, come up with those big hits. Then, then obviously in game six, you know, Snell gets pulled and he immediately doubles scores from third on an infield, you know, ground ball. And then the Homer in the eighth was just one of the most thrilling moments of my sporting life. Like I, (laughs) As soon as he hit that, because that felt like it won the game. The yeah. way, and, and we have to talk about Urias too, but the way Urias was pitching, it felt like two was more than enough. So when Mookie comes up and hits that homer, it's like they're up by two. They need three outs, and no one is touching Julio. Like he, like that dude has ice in his veins. Mm hmm. I looked up his his postseason numbers. He gave up three earned runs in 23 innings, struck out 29, and just turned 24 like a month ago. Yeah. Like pitching in the World Series for the second time in his career. And this is a guy who, again, had all the hype in the universe back in 2016. Um, and, And, you know, everyone was saying, oh, he's a... Yeah, future superstar. I'm sorry, uh, 2012. Wait. 13, I think. 13. He kind of burst on 2013, yeah. God, it feels... Yeah, I can't believe it was so long ago. 2013, yeah. and then comes up in 2016, and then hurts his shoulder, and we're like, oh, well, he could have been a you know a, an amazing talent. I wonder what'll happen. And then he comes back, and he's been one of the Dodgers' best pitchers over the past few years, and was arguably their best pitcher in the postseason. Yeah, he, he was. He had a little bit of inconsistent uh, regular season, mm-hmm. um, but he turned it up for the playoffs, uh, pitched the final 
uh, he closed out the NLCS and the World Series. Yeah, uh, yeah. It just shows the uh, maturity level uh, in terms of pitching. Uh, shows the trust that Dave Roberts and company had in him. Uh, you know, I, I thought the day before Game Six, it was an off day, and Dave, Roberts was like, "Yeah, he's uh he's set up to follow he uh, Urias is set up to follow Bueller in, in Game Seven. Should there be one?" And I was like. There's no way he's not throwing in Game Six if it's close. Right, and uh, it just didn't make any sense to me. It would have been his his bolt, his throw day anyway. Um, see if he can get an inning or two out of him. I, I you know, I, I I don't know if I expected him to get more than that, but he did. And you know, it 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 it, it just it worked out, and he was he was he was dominant. Like the race. Yeah didn't really have much of a chance against him. There, um, weren't, there weren't many competitive at-bats against yeah. him. Um, yeah, I mean, two and a third scoreless hitless innings with four strikeouts, and I kind of felt bad at the end for the the Rays hitters. Not, not that bad, but <laughs> he just seemed so in control yeah. and so confident and it looked like Bruso and or Brozu, whatever the hell you say his name, and Adamas <laughs> were just praying for a walk, like especially yeah. Adamas. I mean, but then you get like ninety-seven on the inner third. Yeah, I think uh, I'm not mistaken. Daniel Brim said it was the hardest pitch he threw in the entire playoffs. I mean, um, and that's the time to do it, right? <laughs> right, and it was perfect like okay. it wasn't a borderline pitch it wasn't right. trying to get him to chase he was throwing his best pitch against a, you know admittedly a struggling hitter but you know still a guy who's got some talent um and just totally locked him up and yeah. I, I don't know about you i was in my living room uh very quiet until the pitch left his hand i think i got out of my seat as he delivered the pitch, because I knew it was going to be strike three, just the way it was going. Yeah. And I lost my mind. Oh, no. I was pacing, walking back and forth, talking to the TV. Talking <laughs> to I was talking to Mookie. I was talking to all of them. I was, I was jazzed up. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a nervous pacer. I, I have to be up and moving around. Like, I can't be sitting down. At, yeah. You know, when, when there's so much excitement and stress and anxiety and pressure and, preparation for something amazing to happen and yeah when when he got ahead of him i'm like just throw him a throw him a strike he's not gonna yeah. swing he doesn't want to swing he's scared to swing and sure enough 97 on the inner third and then yeah i just jumped as high as i've jumped in a in a very long time and <laughs> i was screaming and yeah i was so happy uh it was it was just it lived up to what i what i hoped it would be even in yeah. such a weird year, weird format with all you know the additional teams and and you know no the, off days, <laughs> no off days, and so many games without fans in the stands, and it was just weird and different and off a little bit. But yeah, it lived up to every every hope I could have wanted of of the just the feeling I got when it happened, when I could say to myself, the Dodgers are World Series champions. The Dodgers did it. They finally won. It was everything I wanted it to be. Yeah, and I don't want to make it sound like that. I wasn't nervous. I wasn't 
you know, just because I wasn't up and around pacing doesn't mean I wasn't doing my own little nervous things of like scratching the, the arm of the chair and, you know, bouncing my foot, my leg. You know, my wife came in at the, uh, for the ninth inning. She'd been back in the bedroom, just kind of doing her own thing. So she was kind of following the game, but not actively watching it. But she came out and I just waved to her and she was sitting near me. And so I, you know, I, was kind of acknowledging her without saying anything. And yeah. when he, you know, just, just, just to try to get some of the nervous energy out. But, you know, I jumped and when, when he threw it, I got up and screaming and this pump and I just grabbed her and hugged her. And you know, I, 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 I cried. Absolutely. And, you know, and like you said, it was everything that it was, uh, that, like you said, it hoped it could have been, I just wish, I just wish that moment could have lasted longer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's over so quickly and with everything that happened or with what happened after the game, we don't have to get too much into that. Just. Um, I mean, we can, I mean, to, to Justin Turner kind of shit the bed. I mean, he should not have been out yeah. there. And if he was, he should have just kept his mask on all the time. It was stupid. It was dumb. Yeah. You know, I, I I'm, I'm not a doctor and, and I, I'm going to guess most people listening to this, aren't doctors, but you know, the, it's just a, a, a not so subtle reminder. We're still in the middle of a pandemic and it's getting worse. And to do something that irresponsible and selfish is, is not, not the best look, you know, it, it sucks that it has to kind of, you know, taint the, the, the victory a little bit. You couldn't be a hundred percent happy at the same time, be happy, celebrate. Absolutely. You know, don't feel bad for being happy about it. Just kind of realize Oh yeah, this is also part of reality. Yeah, and I think Dodgers fans can simultaneously acknowledge that Turner did something wrong, mm-hmm. and also celebrate the fact that the Dodgers won the World Series. Those aren't mutually exclusive feelings, right? Uh, Turner absolutely acted selfishly, but I understand. It's like I understand why he did it. It doesn't excuse it. It doesn't excuse the team for wanting him back out there and allowing him to come back out. It doesn't excuse the league for allowing that to happen. And they need to be held responsible as well. You know, everyone Mm -hmm. involved Turner, the Dodgers, the league need to be held to account. And I get the feeling that they will be. Right. But at the same time, I understand, you know, I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to talk about it. I wanted to revel in, in the Dodgers winning the world series. I wanted to bask in it and, and, just feel it for as long as I possibly could. Um, and I'm still feeling it every morning I wake up and remember, Oh yeah, the Dodgers won the world series. That's cool. (laughs) Have you watched anybody's, uh, reaction videos to the, to the final pitch? The ones that you can tell are genuine that are not staged. Have you, have you watched any of them? I haven't watched a ton of them. Was there one or. Oh, not, not, not specifically. I mean, there was one that I saw that was pretty like, the, I, I, I believe the, the, the gentleman had lost his father the year before and he was there with his, his dad's shirt and just kind of collapsed when, when they won. But it wasn't, I wasn't looking for one specific one. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I probably watched hundreds of them. Oh, hundreds. Wow. And, you know, you know, whatever ones were on Twitter, basically. Um, and I, I think I cried at almost every single one of them. Just, just tears of joy and just remembering and just, you know, just thinking back to, to, to Tuesday night with my reaction with my wife. And I just, 
on some level, I wish I could have recorded that or captured that just for my own thing. I wouldn't put it out there. Nobody wants to see me celebrating or, or crying like a, like a, like a little boy, but you know, it was just, it's just every time it kind of hits me, hits me in the feels a little bit whenever I see those and they still get a little teared up, you know, when I see them at random, just, you know, five days later, it's just, you know, it, it's incredible. And it's just something that you want to, uh, experience and re-experience for, for you know, especially right now since it's, it's, it's fresh, but you know, even in a year or two, five years, you know, I'll still hopefully be feeling some, you know, similar, similarly that that was it. That was, that was what we, you know, how long have we been doing this? Like, I'm not saying the podcast specifically, but you know, I've been talking about baseball on the internet for a long time, writing, you know, on a blog for not as long as that, but you know, we've put in so much time and effort and, and, and heartache and, and we've gotten some joy out of it. And now we've got the ultimate joy, the, the, the summit, the pinnacle, and it, it feels freaking great, man. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember asking you to, to do the podcast in 2012. So yeah, it's been almost nine years. It was early 2012. I just started writing at scout.com. Um, someone mentioned a podcast. I'm like, yeah, that actually sounds like a good idea. And then I, I messaged you and you said, yeah, you've been thinking about it too. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Let's <laughs> and yeah, we, yeah we, we weren't you know, every day, every week since 2012, we weren't, no. but you know, we, we did a, we did our fair share of episodes and you know, we, we've, we've, <laughs> we've experienced a lot with this baseball team over that time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Um, I remember, yeah, the uh, the Guggenheim sale going through, and then you know the Dodgers making the playoffs over and over, and then coming up short, and then them finally making the World Series in 2017. I remember how big a deal that was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's just yeah, it's been a long a long journey, and to have it culminate with a World Series win is is kind of amazing. It was something I was always you know hoping. <laughs> hoping that uh, would happen and that we could talk about, we could finally reminisce on, you know, on that one last experience um, to have that. So, yeah, I mean, it's been, yeah, it's been a long time. I mean, we met, yeah, probably at least 15 years ago. Um, God dang. Yeah. That's it crazy. doesn't feel <laughs> like it, but yeah, it was like 15. Cause I, I specifically remember when I started posting on the ESPN boards, um, it was in 2004. Cause that's when I, that's around the time I had my kind of come to Jesus moment with baseball where I just became obsessed. Yeah. I became like mega, mega fan. And, um, yeah, that's when I started posting and then I started blogging shortly after. And then, yeah, started blogging more seriously in 2010, and then yeah, and it was in 2012 that we started the pod. Yeah, it's it's been a journey, <laughs> yeah. um, and it, it's 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 over, but not. I mean, you know, we're still gonna follow the team. I'm sure we'll oh, yeah. be doing our own thing, but there's not that 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 lingering thing hanging over yeah us right now. Uh, yeah waiting 
and hoping and praying and pleading with the baseball gods it's finally <laughs> gone we're not waiting yeah. for anything anymore it's just you know that's yeah that it, it finally happened that's kind of the end of the of the journey yeah and my, my wife was we were more watching the series just throughout the whole the whole postseason she's like if they win, could you go to see one in person? Like, could you go to a game in person? And I was like, yeah, I could do it if they ended up winning this year. I don't think I could have gone to a World Series game in person and been able to enjoy myself if they hadn't already won one in my cognitive lifetime. You know what I mean? Yeah, because the pressure of... It's not just you want them to win. It's mm -hmm. you want them to win because they haven't won. And so there's that added pressure of if they don't win, I don't have that thing to look back on. Now it's like, well, if they don't win, okay, they won last year. Right. That's still good. I still have those memories. Yeah. Nothing's going to take those memories away. (laughs) Yeah. And up until, you know, it was only five days ago, up until five days ago, we didn't have that. You yeah. and I didn't have, well, at least they won an 88. Right. You know, we, we did, but we did but, but we didn't experience it. We don't right, know right. what it felt like. So to have, yeah, to finally have that, that sense of closure of, okay, it's no longer what if they never win and I never, you know, I'm a Red Sox fan, I'm a Cubs fan. You know, I tell my grandkids about, the one time they won during my lifetime, even though I don't remember it. Right. Right. It's more just, you know, I, I know, I know what it feels like. I know what happens. I, I, I was there, not maybe there in person, but I was present for it. I experienced it as it right. happened. So. Right. And we're, we're saying this as fans, as, as massive fans oh, yeah. and people who, you know, just imagine what the players, especially guys who have been there for more than just a year or two, who've been. Oh, been, Kershaw! I mean, just watching. Could not him, be happier. <laughs> watching him is what made me happy. Like I, I found that picture of him with his eyes closed, face up to the sky, hands in the air, just kind of basking in it. Yeah. And that's what relief and joy look like. Like that's yeah. exactly how I felt. Just that massive sense of it finally happened. After all those years of trying, it finally happened. That's how yeah. I felt. And yeah, just seeing him hugging, crying, laughing, celebrating. That yeah, that was truly, truly special. Yeah, chance the the home screen better the, the lock screen background on my phone to him uh the photo of him holding up the world series and looking up yeah. at it with the big goofy grin on his face oh yeah and you know it, it's been a long time coming for him he's he's been the the scapegoat's not the right word but he's been i guess the focal point of this because he hasn't pitched up to his standards in every single postseason game. Like we've talked about this ad nauseum, but you know, he did it this year. Um, there, there was an argument for him to win, to have been the MVP of the world series. I think maybe if they had won it in five, he may have gotten it, but I don't think he particularly cares. 
it's just really nice to see him happy at the end of the season and not having to answer questions about what went wrong because nothing went wrong. Yeah, the narrative has finally changed. It's gone from, oh, well, yeah, sure, he's great and all, but now there's just no more butts. The butts are gone. Yeah, anytime somebody tries to bring it up, just show them that picture. It's like, this dude won the World Series. Like, what what more do you want? I don't care if he goes out there and, and gives up 50 runs every postseason start for the rest of his career. He'll always have he's not going to do that. He'll always have this. We'll always have this feeling as fans. You can only imagine what he and guys like Turner and and all and, and Kenley Jansen, you know, gets. You know, he, he didn't have the, the best of postseasons, but he's been there for this run. Mm-hmm. Um, he he very much deserves this as well. You can only imagine what they're feeling. That sense of relief. You know, it's just you know, what we're feeling. Just kind of multiply it by by you know. 10, 15, 20, 100, whatever. They, they're, they, they got to be over me. Yeah, it, it's just, it's a magical feeling. It's it's really just an amazing feeling of, of accomplishment for them that we'll never be able to feel on their behalf. But, you know, what we feel, yeah, I, I think saying, yeah, just multiply it by 10 to get a sense of what they feel. And especially a guy yeah. like Kershaw, who for the past, you know, several years has been having to put up with um, stopping short and feeling responsible when the team doesn't make it. And yeah. now suddenly he's one of the reasons they made it. In game five, he pitched well enough to win. Yeah, he didn't have his best stuff, and he gutted it out. I mean, I heard I was listening to uh, MLB Network Radio a little bit um, before that game, and or no, it was a couple weeks before or something like that. They had uh, Lance Lynn and, and, and Kyle Gibson from the Rangers on, hmm. kind of guesting, and you know they're like, you know, in a, in a normal season, you know, you're gonna have ten starts where your stuff is lights out. You know, you're gonna win. You got ten games where it's just kind of eh, you got to maybe work a little more to win, you, you know. And then you got ten starts where you know you're just not, you don't have it. You got to figure out a way to get through it. I feel like that start for Kershaw was kind of in between the second and third yeah. level there. Like, like he wasn't awful, but he wasn't getting nearly as many swing strikes as he did in, in game one. Um, you know, he he figured out a way to get through it though, and that's you know that's what you have to do in a championship run and he did it he definitely didn't have his best stuff and still put together you know a a start that was worthy of a win um and he got run support which is something he hasn't always received during the postseason oh man (laughs) um but yeah and sometimes they were just given enough like game six they only got they only scored three and they only scored two before the the eighth inning didn't score any before the sixth but yeah, um, yeah. Just just knowing that he gutted it out without his best stuff, you know, not not on par with like Sandy Koufax in Game Seven of '65, where he didn't even have his curveball and threw a four-hit shutout or whatever. But just doing enough to get your team to win is all you can ask of a pitcher, and that's exactly what he did. He did enough for them to win. And they won, and then they won the next game, and 
now they're <laughs> now they get to look forward to getting rings fitted. Yeah. They're gonna fly another banner. Um and all of it comes two weeks after the Lakers win. Like what an amazing what a what an incredible year for LA sports teams during a pandemic, during a, just a weird, crazy, awful year that not one but two championships are coming to LA. You know, it's just such a great distraction and and reason to celebrate in such you know what otherwise has been just a bizarrely kind of awful year. Yeah. Um, you know, this is why we watch sports. We watch sports to escape. We watch sports to feel joy. And L.A. has given us that in spades this year. It's it's truly amazing um, to to experience. Uh, yeah, I don't even live in L.A. I'm a fan of both teams, obviously. But, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of Laker fans up here. There's a lot of Dodger fans up here. Um, and, yeah, it's just. It is. It's just kind of a a needed distraction, not a complete distraction where you don't remember what's going on in the world right now, but just something to, to be happy about it in a, in a world that has been so not not great this year. I mean, we're, we're almost to the end of it, and just because the calendar is going to flip to 2021 in a couple of months doesn't mean it's all going to go back to normal, but at least we've got this to hold on to, to kind of look back on and, and, and smile when a time when there was a time that the smiles were few and far between. Yeah, definitely a bright spot in a, in a fairly dark year. Um, and, and one other thing I want to mention uh, before we, before we wrap, and I'm not saying we have to right now, but um, I, I do want to mention, I, I posted this on, on Twitter just after the Dodgers won. Uh, a lot of credit goes to someone that I look up to and that's Logan White. Um, for this team's success, uh, starting with Clayton Kershaw, going all the way down the roster to, um, you know, Julio Urias, uh, Cody Ballinger, Corey Seager, Jock uh, Peterson, Jock Peterson. It's just his his fingerprints were all over this team. Uh, I know he's not going to get a ring, but he deserves one for the amount of talent that he compiled over his, you know, decade plus with the team. Uh, He, he, he drafted Alex Redugo who was traded from the bets. If you want to go down even, even further, drill down a little more. Yeah. That was his, his last second round pick with the Dodgers. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. And uh, yeah, he, he's been um, maybe not a mentor, but something of a, uh, uh, I, I don't even know how to describe it. He, he's uh, held a special place in my heart um, as, a, as a fan, as a writer. Um, he's been very generous with me, with his time. Um, and yeah, I, I think that he absolutely deserves a share of uh, what the Dodgers are experiencing right now. Yeah, and maybe he'll get the Angels general manager job. He interviewed for it. And I thought that's. I thought initially that's why you're bringing it up, but I, I, I don't think that was the case. No, no. I, I just wanted to give him a shout out because you know he's been such a big part of my baseball life for the past decade or so. Yeah, hundred um, percent. He he deserves recognition. I mean, you know, he he's the guy who drafted the World Series MVP. He's the guy who drafted Clayton Kershaw and. 
Belly and and so many others that have contributed to the team. So yeah, I just wanted to give him a nice little shout out. Yeah, um, friend of the show, by the way. Friend of the very very good friend of the show. I remember meeting <laughs> him for the first time in in 2011. I was in spring training, and um, it was it was one of those like kind of movie moments where. I had gone up to him and I kind of sidled up. I Someone was interviewing him and I kind of sidled up next to them in the hopes that they would just walk away and I could start talking to him. But they were having a pretty in-depth conversation. So I left and later that day I went to the backfields to watch the minor leaguers play. And I'm just watching this game and I kind of sense a presence to my right. <laughs> And I look over and five feet away from me is Logan White. And I'm like, oh, my God. And without even thinking, I just walked up to him and said hello. And, yeah, a few days later, I was interviewing him. We, uh, Me and Mark Timmons from LA Dodger Talk um, sat in with him and AC Kurogi for like an hour just talking baseball. And it was one of the coolest experiences of my life. Um, AC Kurogi is a cool guy, too. <laughs> Do you remember? Uh, I, I I met him at a uh, Quake Sports skiing in twenty fourteen or fifteen. I can't remember exactly the year. But do you remember me texting you or sh- shooting you a DM on Twitter with a picture of the back? Because I was like, "Is this Logan White?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I had to ask you because I wasn't one hundred percent sure. And then I obviously was able to confirm. And then. Uh, Got to talk to him after the following night's game. He gave me 20, 25 minutes just right there behind home plate in the yeah. stands. Just after the game ended, just like, you know, he, he, he could have said, no, I'm good. Or, you know, you know, I, I can give you five minutes. Where, like, we could have stood there all night talking baseball. But um, yeah. just a really, really, really good guy. And, and, yes, his fingerprints are all over this, all over this roster. And yeah. what Billy Gasparino has done, we cannot – Oh. You know, you can't not acknowledge that either. He's been, you know, he, he had a much different philosophy than, than Logan White did um, in terms of drafting players and, and what to target. Um, and he's done a fantastic job since taking over for Logan White. Starting with Walker Bueller, a, a pick mm-hmm. both you and I loved at the time. Well, I was don't, a little. I was. Don't go watch right the live it. stream. We love that. Oh, pick. okay, okay. I got you. I got you. Because <laughs> I remember someone on Twitter. This is this is crazy. Someone on Twitter, after I said something good about Bueller, said, "Ah, yeah, he might be better than uh, Mike Matuella, who I had completely forgotten Ooh, about." I think he. I think I wanted him. I think he was. Yeah, I think he was our year. boy that year. <laughs> and it turns out I looked him up. He hasn't even gotten out of a ball. And it's like, so, man, it's a good thing we're not getting paid for this. It, that's why we're here and they are there. Right. And yeah, what, what Gasparino has done, I mean, in 2016 alone, you look at, you know, Gavin Lux, Will Smith, Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin. It's just like, holy cow. Like, and then, yeah, I, I think, uh, We've both had glowing things to say about this year's draft uh, crop. Um, yeah, it's only even though it's only five picks. You know? Yeah, and I will say this: I've been following the Dodgers draft since 2014, and I can confidently say Clayton Beater's stuff is as good as any draft pick they've ever signed. And that's including Walker Buehler because, and they had six picks, not five, by the way. Uh, Walker Buehler's stuff wasn't what it is now no. when he was drafted. It, it, that was. Even before it came out that he needed Tommy John, his stuff was not as good 
as it is, as it has been since the surgery. Right, Um, yeah, because Bueller went from sitting like 91, 94 to sitting 97. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. And Beater's stuff, like, it's video game type stuff, like mid-90s fastball that touches 98, top of the grade curveball, and then a slider that some scouts prefer to the curve. It's So, like, Kylie McDaniel, who, again, friend of the show, and Keith Law <laughs> have put 80s on Clayton Beater's curveball, and some scouts prefer his slider. Like, that shows you what kind of stuff he has. That's crazy. And it's amazing that he lasted to their 66. second second round pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would have been happy if they topped him in the first round. Yeah. But yeah, and then they got Miller there who um Will Rhymes, the director of player development, just the other day was talking up. Um they got uh Michael Bush the previous year who Will Rhymes was really, really saying glowing things about recently uh from instructs apparently he's developing really well uh the future's bright you know the the past finally paid off for the dodgers logan white's blueprint kind of finally paid off gasparino mixed in some talent and then of course andrew friedman who's the the all-seeing eye the eye of sauron overlooking (laughs) mordor as a good guy, though. Yeah. Um, well, well, according to most people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Where, where, where did Fraudman Twitter go? Uh, I can't. I, I can't find it. Like it's so weird. So quiet. Yeah. So quiet. Now they want it in spite of him. Yeah. But but yeah. yeah, I mean the the future still looks incredibly bright because they've got all these young guys coming up who who are promising. Um, they have some roster decisions to to make, uh, specifically with regards to Turner, who's a free agent. Um, I, I think they'll bring him back. I, I I have a hard time seeing him leave. Yeah, I don't I don't think at the stage of his career he did, he wants to go anywhere else. Honestly, yeah. he'll probably come back at a you know about the same average rate that he was over his last four year deal, maybe for yeah. a couple of years. Um, there might not be a DH in twenty twenty one. That's it's, it sounds like it's going to go back to being normal, um, but the CBA expires at the end of next season or in December of next year. Uh, so expect the DH to come back at some point. So that could could impact some things too. But yeah, I, I I don't I don't think Turner. I think the Dodgers probably value Turner more than anybody else does. And oh yeah, he, he probably doesn't. You know, he's thirty. He's going to be thirty six years old. He probably doesn't really want to uproot and go anywhere else right now for right. a few extra million bucks. Yeah, I, I feel like yeah, he's kind of the heart and soul of the clubhouse. Losing him would be a bigger blow off the field than it would be on, and he's a great, he's still a great hitter. So you know, he he was one of the Dodgers' best hitters in the World Series behind Seager. Yeah. Probably, but um yeah, I, I I think they'll bring him back and continue pumping the major league club with young talent, and you know you still got guys like May and Gratterall and Gonsolin, and yeah, it's it's just it's a really exciting time to be a Dodgers fan. You know, 
this is next year and the impossibles happened all the superlatives they finally came true it's it's such a such an amazing feeling to finally be living that dream of expectations becoming reality absolutely and you know if they really want to keep their foot on the gas you know per se they they can use their financial might this winter because it seems like there's going to be a lot of quality players out there that teams don't want to pay or didn't want to pay because of the pandemic. I don't know, you know, the uncertainty for when the fans are going to actually be back in the stands, hopefully sooner rather than later, but hopefully safely uh, uh, more than anything else. Yeah. Um, so maybe the Dodgers are able to upgrade the back end of their, their roster more than they normally would with some quality depth. And we've talked about depth for five, six years now, and that's that's been the M.O., and that's going to probably continue to be the M.O. Yeah, I mean, it was just announced uh, Brad Hand was placed on waivers by the Indians. Uh, Chris Archer is uh, a free agent. It's, it's kind of crazy how much potential is out there, and the Dodgers definitely have the the ability to go out and, and take advantage of the current the current climate um, in terms of free agents. So, yeah, and they're going to be making a pretty penny from all the merchandise they're selling. Oh yeah, they're going to, you know, yeah, they they lost a bunch in um, ticket sales, but yeah, I, I'm gonna get me a hat. I'm probably gonna get me a shirt. I'm gonna ask Santa for some other some other goodies. That's gonna be my entire Christmas list. Is just <laughs> a link to the to the store with all the World Series gear. Yeah, I've already just, ordered a few things, but you know I didn't get a chance to get everything. <laughs> yeah, World Series memorabilia. That's that's a pretty good uh, pretty good Christmas list right there. All right. Well, Dustin, we figured we figured kind of owed it to our loyal listener. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I know there's more than one. You know, we didn't really have a, a proper send off, a proper finale to this podcast, and that's kind of what this is. Um, you know, we just kind of it just kind of petered off, and and you know, it just felt kind of weird, and it felt a little appropriate just to have it be on this occasion of the Dodgers winning the World Series. It still sounds weird. It it really does. It's something I'm not used to saying because I've only said it, you know about one other time I couldn't even remember. But yeah, um, that's it for this version of, uh, of dugout blues. Um, for, for Dustin, thank you all for, for listening over the years. I truly appreciate it. Um, you know, we're still going to be online. We're still going to be active. Uh, this, this is, you know, the, the, kind of series finale, which I'm sure will go down as well as others such as, you know, Dexter and Game of Thrones was the best series finales of all time. I, I think I'm in the minority when it comes to the Dexter finale. I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it like everybody else does. Well, but there's going to be another one because they're doing more episodes. So maybe maybe Dustin's right. He, he just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll definitely see you online. Follow us on Twitter at Dustin Nosler, at Jared J. Massey. Dustin's still over with... Uh, dodgers digest right dustin yes sir and i i'm currently kind of uh weighing options but i'm i'm sure you'll be hearing more from me in the future in some capacity um 
so yeah again thank you all for listening uh we we appreciate all of you so so much uh for dustin nosler this is jared massey signing off have a good one